From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining us today on Depth of Field is David Flora. He's a 2011 master's program graduate from the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts. And he's currently the senior producer and editor for Henry Ford Health Systems. David, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So you did your master's in BCA. So what school did you actually come from? Where did you do your undergrad? What major did you have before that? So I was at Point Park University, which is in downtown Pittsburgh. That's where I was born and raised, right right outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, it was the same, almost the same exact degree. It, it was, it's a small school. They, you know, they have a big dance program. They have a good film and uh, video. And so that's what I majored in was a communications with a focus in media, media broadcasting. What brought you to CMU and the BCA program? I wanted to continue my education. I didn't quite feel I was ready yet to, to go out there and do it. And I also wanted to teach maybe later on in life. So I wanted to keep school. And I was one of those weird kids that liked school. So I wanted to keep going. And uh, I had just been talking to one of my professors and he knew of a professor at CMU and said, hey, connect with them. See see what happens. They have a great program. Um, and so I applied, did a few interviews and got it. And uh, I was always, I always wanted to get out of where I was, not because I didn't like it, but just to go somewhere different. And it was just a cool fit. I went and visited and it was awesome. I, I, I love the visit. I like the people that I talked to. So it was just a good fit for me. And you were a graduate assistant when you were here too, weren't you? Yes, I was. I, that was a big part. Sorry, I forgot that. That was a big part of why I took it too. Was a, I had a grad assistantship, which with MHTV sports. And so I helped with that. I, I ran that student run program with the help of obviously some others. And, uh, that gave me some really great hands-on experience, not just from the standpoint of production, but leadership too. being in charge of it and having to find the interns and show them how to do it the right way and, and from top to bottom. So it was, it was great. It was, it was an awesome experience and it really helped propel me to my first job. Were you interested in working in sports from the beginning? Was that sort of your focus? Yeah, it always was. I mean, I grew up like a lot of people. I grew up, my small town was super sports focused and uh, especially football. And I played all my life, but I always had an interest in video too, even when I was younger. So I got to a point in my career, I played one year in college, hurt my back, but I knew I wanted to combine my love of video and cinematography with sports. So it, it was always something I kind of wanted. I was lucky enough to know what I wanted to do, even when I was in like junior high, you know, I, I knew this is what I wanted to get into. So I was just, I worked hard at it and got to it. While you were at CMU, what were some of the experiences that you had? I know that you were, like you said, you were the graduate assistant working with MHTV Sports. What exactly did that entail? So I was, so we did live shows. They weren't technically live at the point we would pre-record them uh, just like a live show. We had, uh, I'm not sure how it's run there still, but it was 
that this big travel box, you know, instead of bringing a big production truck, you you're wheeling this giant cart from place to place and you're plugging in four to five cameras. You had a, a small CG for graphics and you would go to, we, we covered at least one event from every sports, except for men's football and men's basketball. And so we did women's basketball. We did a bunch of those. We did uh, soccer, uh, field hockey, those types of things. And you just run a regular, uh, a live broadcast. And that's what it entailed. I mean, for, you find the crew, get them set up, get the feed out, record it. And then it would usually air the next day on all the closed circuit TV and the dorms and everything like that. And then aside from that, we did shows as well, like recap shows, or we had fun segment where, I would play basketball with the women's basketball team and they whooped me and uh, stuff, <laughs> fun, fun stuff like that. Uh, it was really cool. We, uh, of course we had oversight, but we were aside from the live stuff, we were kind of allowed to come up with some fun ideas and, and do what we wanted to do. And uh, I would say I probably spent almost as much time on those shows and that grad assistantship as I did my schooling. Uh, it was very involved uh, in it, but it was great, not just for me, but for the students to get their feet wet and something like that too. So once you graduated with your master's, what was next for you? So first I freelanced for about uh, maybe three, four months. Uh, I was doing a lot of live stuff, um, you know, starting from the bottom NFL, a lot of NFL, some major league baseball, just grip, just, you know, working hard from the bottom, running, thousands of feet of cable. Uh, I did a lot of Mac stuff. So a lot of CMU Bowling Green, um, some stuff in Pittsburgh. And then about four months later, I got a job with the South Carolina Stingrays of ECHL. They were an affiliate of the Bruins at the time. And I did, I was their game operations producer, which was the guy that runs the video board during the games, puts all the videos up there. So we shot all the videos, put them up on the board, ran the show, like the, the games and stuff in between, which was a lot of fun. And then we also had a live stream of the, of every home game. So that was also a, it was just me doing all of that with a handful of students. And that was my first real job. I, I, I made the decision. I didn't want to freelance. Um, and I wanted to have a full-time job. So that's, that was my first one. And then there was many after that. So was freelancing, you mentioned that you decided that's something you didn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. What was it about it that you decided, yeah, this, this isn't really for me. Well, for me, I, it was, I think it, it was a thought of always waiting for your next job. Like, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Cause I still have a ton of friends that freelance and it is a totally, it's a, it's a great way to make a living. You can make a lot of money freelancing, especially in sports, but it was just something I, I didn't want to do. I, I would, I rather would have had the, you know, the guaranteed paycheck, I guess you could say. I just wanted that stability. Um, and I, I, I have a little bit of anxiety. So knowing what I was getting into and knowing what my day to day was going to be was more appealing to me than, than the freelance life. But I had fun while I did it. And, and that's not to discourage people from wanting to do it. I don't, that's, it's just for me personally, my life that I wanted, that's what I wanted to do was find a more full-time job. Well, I think it's important for students, especially to know that there are options oh, yeah. uh, that, you know, you, you can go the freelance route 
or you can try to find something that perhaps is a little bit more stable. So what was your path then to finding that more stable sort of work that was still in the sports field? It was, I mean, applying everywhere, um, applying anywhere I could. That made sense for me. I would say the biggest benefit for me was, one, my degrees, two, my experience. Uh, you know, I did a lot of internships in undergrad, and I did an internship and the grad assistantship at CMU. So not just saying, here's my degree, but here's my degree and my experience, you know, I, I had that experience already coming out and the willingness to move, uh, especially in sports. If you're not will, if you're just handcuffing yourself to like a 10 mile radius around where you live and where you grew up, it's going to be really hard for you. Uh, not that you can't. And, and I think it's okay if you could find that, but you open yourself up to so many more chances and, and really some really cool experiences by saying, I don't care where I go. And, and that was hard for me too, at first, because my, I'm extremely close with my family. Everyone in my family lives in the same town, which again, not a bad thing. I love going home to my hometown, but so it was really hard for me to do that. But once I made that decision that I'm willing to go anywhere, it, it made it so much easier. And we've lived in before where I'm in Detroit now, five other cities, nothing super exotic, but we've been up and down moving moving for job after job. And it's been a lot of fun. Was working with the Nationals your first sort of more stable job? Yeah, I, I, I the ECHL one was was pretty solid. It was very, very small, but that team's been around for years and they'll be here for years because it was an affiliate of the NHL. So it, it's, but yeah, that was kind of the, a big, uh, that was a big change. That was the big boys, I guess you could say. So that was a really fun job. That was a really interesting job, especially working in a major market like that. Now, what I did there was mostly videos for social media and the video board um, and the live in-game show. I didn't do much for external markets or anything like that, but it was a really cool experience in a big time market with big time fans that really cared about what you put up on that video board. And it, that was the first time where you're there and 40, 50,000 people are looking at your video all at once. You have a captive audience for something that you created from start to finish. And that was really cool. And that's what got me even more hooked into sports uh, was was seeing a pump up video come up and everybody's going crazy. And it was really awesome. It was really fun. And that was my first taste of that. So I think that's the dream job for so many people uh, that they want to work for, especially maybe their home team, but any mm -hmm. major league baseball team, if they're a baseball fan, what are some of the options you talked about what you were doing? Can you speak at all to what else you can kind of do in the field uh, in terms of video production, if you're working with a major league team? Sure. I mean, there was, so there's, cause there's multiple aspects. There's, you have uh, content production for social media sites. You have content production for uh, maybe like a development or donor type things. Uh, you have all of your in-game video, which ranges from pump up videos to maybe uh, like in remembrance videos to, uh, maybe like special moment coverage of uh, of something that happened, but diving into it a little bit more than just showing a highlight. There's 
there's always fun videos. You always see fun videos around like holidays and, and, and things like that, that are always fun to do. But aside from just that content creation, there's the live portion of it. And there's two sides of it. There's the in-house live, and then there's the broadcast live. So, and that's however many cameras, there could be eight, 10, 12, 15 cameras. And that's double times that by two, because you have your in-house and your external there. I mean, from top, there's replay operators, there's technical directors, there's directors, there's producers, there's uh, the music guys, there's graphics, you know, usually a couple graphics guys, instant replay. It's you run the whole gamut of everything and getting one of those positions, at least everywhere that I've been, even if you're not brought in for that, they will help you learn it if you, if you want to. Um, so, I mean, the, the pos- there's a ton of possibilities with working in sports, whether you want to do live or content creation or both. So where did you go after working with the Washington Nationals? Oh, boy. So from the Washington Nationals, I went to Lawrence, Kansas, in the middle of the, in the, middle of the country for the University of Kansas Athletics. And that was an incredible job. I, I absolutely love that job because I enjoy working with students. So it was the same thing. We were, uh, I was running their ESPN three shows. So we covered, we were live just about every sport we had, except for men's basketball. Cause if you follow men's basketball, men's Kansas basketball is prime time, almost every game. So we didn't cover that or live football, but we did baseball, baseball, softball, women's basketball track, you name it, we covered it. And then on the side from that, I was doing content creation and it live game shows for men's basketball and men's football. So same thing. That's another Avenue. I mean, going to any, pretty much every school, even if they don't have a big video department probably does something with ESPN three, if they have teams, because you could go on that ESPN three app and you'll see these really obscure teams that have their games broadcast live to whoever wants to watch it. And that's all student based. It's all student run, but they also need professionals to help run that. So there there's more, there's opportunities like that everywhere in colleges in particular, even if they're just doing in-game stuff, every college does it. Every college has a, most colleges have a video board. So it might not be as big as Kansas, but they're, they're out there. And there's a lot of them that are doing really, really cool things on smaller budgets than Kansas was. What are some of the special skills that you need to be able to work with live sports and any kind of really live event video production? Multitasking is definitely key because if you're producing those shows, you're, you're writing, you're helping write the scripts for the talent, you're crewing everybody, you're putting the cameras in the right place. Uh, Maybe you're helping switch the show. So you have to be good at a lot of little technical things. Um, leadership is huge, you know, having that voice that people are going to listen to and and they're going to pay attention and organization is so key. Uh, somebody like me, I, I I have lists and check boxes and, you know, it's, it's endless. I have lists about making lists, make sure you make this list might be on my list. So uh, you just got to be extremely organized. And you got to, it's a lot about everything, but you got to be passionate about it too. You got to really like it. You got to really love it. And if you love sports, it's, it's easy to get into, it's easy to get into these shows and kind of, kind of fall into it and really fall in love with it and fall in love with the process. But I mean, multitasking is key. Having a good eye. I I mean, it runs the gamut. You got to be good at so many little things when you're running these shows, 
And yeah, but I, I think leadership is such a big one and being able to tell a story, even though it's live, even though you think it's just, we're shooting a baseball game. You got to be able to find those little stories within those games to help keep everybody engaged and involved. And that, that was, that was, that's one thing I missed and I'm no longer in live TV is that those moments, those being in those live games, but, uh, that those are definitely things, at least in my opinion, uh, of what you need. That's so interesting because I think in BCA, we talk a lot with our students about the importance of storytelling, but I hadn't really thought of it necessarily in terms of live sports production, but you're right. There are those little stories that you need to tell throughout the broadcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's where a lot of like pre-production skills come in and research about learning, you know, maybe it's just a small story about, it could be something simple like this assistant coach used to be this guy's high school coach, or, you know, this kid is wearing a pair of cleats today uh, and what he has written on them might mean something special. So connecting with him and figuring out what it means and then telling that story in your broadcast, it's all those little things that kind of can take your broadcast up to the next step rather than just hits, you know, hitting a baseball strikeouts, things like that. There's all kind of little things uh, that you can do to elevate that show. So after Kansas, was that when you came back to Detroit after that? Nope. Nope, nope. not yet. No, not yet. I went to the PGA Tour in, in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I was in. So I was working for the PGA Tour where if you're a golf fan, I was producing a show, helping produce a show called PGA Tour Live, which was Thursday, Friday, featured group coverage, because usually they don't, uh, the networks don't pick up the Thursday, Fridays till, you know, the final group, the second set of groups, but there's always all stars playing in, in the mornings. So crew call at four 45, five in the morning, you'd go on air anytime between six 30 and seven 30 in the morning. And you're on air till the last ball is in the cup. So you're talking 10, 11 hour shows for four wow. days in a row. And that was, that was a lot of work, but again, it was, it was really fun. We, it was PGA tour is on top of it with new technology, um, testing it and then implementing it in their day to day. We were all our control room lived in St. Augustine, but we'd send eight cameras or so everywhere in the country and cut it live without no delay, like next to no delay. It was incredible what we were doing. Um, and we were doing that four days a week for almost every week of the year. Uh, and that was, that was awesome. And then aside from the live stuff, we go live one weekend, a producer. So if I produced this, these four days, the next week, I was, I think they called it a tape producer where I helped get all the stories lined up for the producer. Maybe I shot a couple or, or helped put a couple together, but it was getting all their elements together. Cause as you know, golf, there's some downtime. So in between shots, rolling a package, but I made sure all the, the, whoever was producing that week had everything, had it going. And then sometimes we would travel. We would go on site on a Monday or Tuesday, shoot interviews, send them back to St. Augustine for them to cut and have ready for that weekend shows. That was, it was a ton of work. It was a ton of fun. We had a kid when we were down there and I was like, I'm done with this schedule. <laughs> I gotta be done. I can't do this anymore. And that's when I came back to Detroit with working with the Pistons. And I worked with the Pistons for almost two years and then from there, where I am now with Henry Ford Health System. 
So I have to ask you about the Pistons because I'm yeah. sure we have some Pistons fans listening. Sure. What was that experience like? Do you get to, in your role working in video production, really get to know the players and the coaches and sort of the whole organization? Absolutely. Uh, to a point, obviously, but to a point, you're like, yeah, I mean, even when I was with the, with the nationals, I mean, uh, it was kind of my first wow moment. I was interviewing Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, and then you go to Kansas. And when I got to Kansas, they had, uh, was when they had Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. And so you're interviewing these guys and you're making them do goofy stuff like, Hey, sing, sing this Miley Cyrus song. And we're going to put it on the video board, you know, and there's just young kids at the time. Um, and then, yeah, with the Pistons, I mean, when I was there it was uh, one of the years Blake Griffin was there, uh, got there first got there. So yeah, you're interviewing these people that are known all over the world and yeah, you're getting somewhat close to them uh, to a point where some of them remember who you are. Some of them, uh, you know, see you in the hallway or see you before a game, it, it, you know, we'll give you five before the game and things like that. It's you, you are definitely up close and personal and you have access that most people don't get. I mean, we were allowed on the courts during pregame. We were sitting on the baselines during games, getting shots. Um, so yeah, you, you, you get to talk to a lot of, a, a lot of all-stars, a lot of, a lot of, you know, sports celebrities. It's, it's really fun. It's really cool. So what exactly did you do with the Pistons? That was the same kind of thing as my last few jobs, uh, all, all in-game arena stuff, a lot of content creation, shooting during the games. I didn't do much during the live games. That's when I kind of transferred more into storytelling more. So doing more for marketing and doing more for our, uh, you know, community engagement and and things like that so i didn't i didn't do a ton of pump up videos when i was there i still did some but my role kind of transformed into doing more narrative stuff uh, while i was there and that's what i fell in love with was doing doing things like that so from there you transitioned to the job you're in now yeah. correct yep and was that difficult to step away from sports or were you ready so yeah it, it was hard because it's all i ever did for 10 years it's all I ever did was sports, either live or content creation in sports. So I was nervous about it for sure. But once I got here and once I realized what I was going to be able to do here at Henry Ford Health System, I knew it wasn't a great fit for me. So personally, my life, I didn't have any more weekends. I had no more holidays. I had no more nights. And if I did have to work after hours or I did have to work weekends, I know about it weeks in advance, at least a week in advance. And that time that I got back with my kid and my wife and just to unwind uh, is invaluable to me. Um, again, I, I don't I don't want it to sound like if you work in sports, you'll never have time. That's, that's not the case. I have a ton of great friends that still work in sports, but for me personally, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it anymore. I kind of, it was time for me to try something new. And so where I am now, I get to tell these incredible stories of cancer survivors or people that got in bad car accidents and got treated at Henry Ford. And now, you know, they're walking again, or we told one story about the play-by-play -play announcer, not play-by-play -play radio announcer for um, Michigan hockey. He had throat surgery and you're like, okay, your career's done, but he made it through it. You know, so you get to tell some really awesome stories. And what's really cool about it too, is they let me tell them. 
they they basically will give me an outline here's the person we want go do what you know how to do and it's it's really i love it i love being able to tell a story from start to finish from the cinematography to actually conducting the interviews to sitting down and grinding through an edit it's not just me there's definitely you know some other marketing people involved but that's what i love so much and i feel so fulfilled in what i'm doing now and it is meaningful to me not that the other stuff wasn't but i I just get so much joy out of what i'm doing now telling these stories that's amazing and you know i think that's something that people don't necessarily think of off the top of their heads that oh a healthcare system yes also needs video audio production people and storytellers to be able to help with the marketing side and the philanthropic side so I think that kind of opens up a whole new world for people to look at. That's a hundred percent correct. Cause so I didn't even know. So when I was with the Pistons, so we moved back, we moved to Detroit cause that, uh, it's like a four hour drive from home. We wanted to get closer to home, but we, I still had been trying to get out of sports for a couple of years, but didn't know what avenues to take. And I have a mentor of mine that worked for Kansas when I was there. I can't remember if he called me or texted me and he said, because uh, I saw that he got a new job. And he said, Dave, you got to look into any local health systems. He had gotten out of sports and started working for a children's hospital in Kansas. And he said, you wouldn't believe the opportunities for storytelling at places like this. And it was a week later, this job opened. And it was, I didn't have to move. I didn't have to move my house or anything because it was working. I, I literally work across a parking lot from where I was working with the Pistons. So this job came up, I interviewed for it and I got it. And it, so there's so many avenues that you don't know about unless so I, I had no idea. I had no clue that health systems needed video people, but of course they do, right? Of course they do. Uh, some of them probably don't have it to the extent we do where we do a ton of stuff in house. I know a lot of places they get production houses to, to come in and do a lot of their stuff, but we do a ton of work. We cover everything from, it might not see many eyes. It might be a surgeon is doing a brand new surgery and he needs to show it to the symposium to other surgeons. So it might not get a lot of eyes, but everything we're doing here is so important. Again, even if it's only 30 other people seeing it, it's all incredibly important stuff. And, and like I said, and that to me, that brings me so much fulfillment in what I do, you know, because it's not all the fun narratives. You're doing a lot of these other things too, but they're all super important and, and I love it. How much does your position interact with, say, both the medical side and the marketing side? It sounds like you kind of have a foot in both. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've been here for a little over two years and I'll walk down the hallway or something and the chief of surgery, Hey Dave, you know, the, the CEO, you know, uh, uh, we, we get the CEOs in our studio probably once every few weeks, you know, the COO, we are deeply involved in the marketing side, deeply involved in the PR side, media relations side, and deeply involved in with clinically with the nurses, with the, you know, nursing officers, with the doctors, surgeons, everybody, we, we run the gamut around here. Um, so yeah, we're, our footprint is everywhere. Is the material and the narrative that you're creating, what is the main outlet? I know you mentioned, well, some it's just, you know, shooting a surgery and making mm-hmm. sure that other doctors can see it, but 
Is most of it going to social media? Where? Yeah. What's the outlet? So there, there, there's always a, uh, we, we try to use it as many ways as possible. So Henry Ford has a blog too. So like it initially might come out as a blog post about this person's story, but then our video will be linked to it, which is also linked to all of our social media. Social media is just like how a lot of people use it. It's one of your main marketing tools. So that's where most of our stuff goes is there, but it gets linked to a hundred other things. I mean, during the video, something will pop up. Do you need to make an appointment? Are you feeling the same way? You know, things like that to learn more, click here that so it's social media, it's local and national media. Uh, a lot of our stories, maybe we had to cut up some B roll and ship it off. Or we've been doing a lot of, you know, live thing just like this, you would see our CEO live on wherever uh, in this room here. But yeah, those narratives, that's our that's our main outlet is social, uh, social media. So do you think you're going to stick with this for quite a while or do you have ideas of what the next step of your career is yeah i mean i i always i'm always thinking about next steps uh but i think there, there's room for growth here for me uh so I, I would i would very much like to stay here again there there's it's one of those things it's like could i make more money going back to sports yes could i make more money joining a production house that i know i'm qualified to do Yes, but I'm at a point and I've been at a point in my life where I chase joy more than the dollars, you know, that's just, you know, I, I can't, I can't tell you how much happier I am with the time that I have to just do nothing if I want to, <laughs> you know, uh, so I think the next steps are building this place and, and that this was, that was one of the reasons why I took this job too. So Henry Ford has had an established video program here, but they wanted to get more cinematic with what they were doing. They wanted to be able to tell these stories differently uh, rather than your kind of, you know, stand up news style stories. And they wanted to build the team. Now it's building slower because clearly everybody is because of the pandemic and stuff. But the plan is to still grow this team, grow what we can do, build on our equipment and become a more fully fledged production in-house production house. Uh, so I hope it's here. I, I hope the future is around here. And if it's not, I want to tell these same kind of stories. You know, that that's my, that really is my favorite part of all of this is talking to people, interviewing people, interviewing real people about their stories and their life and giving them a chance to tell it because most people don't have an outlet for that. So, and that's what we do is we give these survivors of whatever they survived an outlet to talk about it. You mentioned the pandemic, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking that working with the healthcare system, that had to really impact the work you were doing in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it sure did. It was it was incredibly interesting. And while, you know, coming from sports, I was heartbroken for so many of my friends that lost either lost their job or or the jobs are coming through because that year when it first started live sports they didn't allow anybody in they, it wasn't happening i was fortunate enough to we were busier than ever that was one of the busiest times in my entire career was during that covid pandemic because the health system here is pretty large and so we were we were constantly trying to find new ways to uh get our messages out and you know, that's when we got more involved in live, you know, these live broadcasts, these live media briefings, um, even if not for our internal audiences, 
you know, they would need our COO or CEO, CBS needs them on a camera. And we didn't want them to just be laptop shot up, you know, under their nose, that whole look. So we, we, we set that up. And, um, and then there was also a ton of internal stuff, you know, the importance of washing hands and putting together videos of how to do it correctly. Videos that would just go to uh, the clinicians in the ER or something about how to properly wear your PPE, which, you know, the full gown, like, cause they had all kind of new things, new protocols. So we had to help them tell everybody else how to do them. And it's, again, that was one of those things, not a huge audience, but something that's super important. And so, yeah, we were, we were super busy during that time. Uh, I, I, I like to joke, I think the three video guys on our team, we might've been the only people in office in the world for like the first six months. Like it was crazy, but we were in every single day. So what would your, I guess, most important piece of advice be to anyone who's listening who might want to do what you're doing? What are some of the skills they need? How do they get to that point? I mean, I think, so I think what you need is, you know, clearly you need to know how the technical side of things, you need to know how to run a camera, you need to know how to edit, you need to do, I know how to do all that stuff, but you can learn that stuff. You need to, and it sounds cliche, but you need to be willing to work hard. You need to understand that nothing is below you, meaning, you know, don't feel like I've talked to a lot of different classes about, you know, getting into sports and, you know, sometimes you hear from students, I'm not going to go work for this minor league team. Why? What do you mean? You're not going to do that. You know, you hear, you get that sense from some people that, you know, your first job may not be your dream job. Your first job may not be with the Detroit Tigers or, you know, the Lions or, 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 whoever you want it to be with, like, that's not typically how it works. Don't be afraid to be the, the person that shows up and runs cable and, uh, you know, torrential downpour and mud for a Bowling Green versus Toledo football game. It's how I started. Again, that's not how everybody has to, and I, but don't feel like you're too big for anything. And then I would say, you just got to be, a, you got to be a nice person. You got to be a kind person. You got to, that the whole way of, you know, yelling, at employees or, you know, raising your voice, you were not going to get anywhere with that anymore. Uh, so just be kind, be nice, work hard and yeah. And keep learning. I, I think one thing that has to do with video, in my opinion, is if you're not truly passionate about it, don't do it. It's not a job that if you see it as a nine to five and you just show up, do your work and leave, it's going to reflect in everything that you do. Uh, you got to really like it. You got to really want to do it. And, and like I said before, especially when you're first starting out, be open to move. Well, David, thanks so much for talking to us today. I know you're really busy. No, thank you. This is awesome. I, I love doing this stuff and I hope I didn't talk too much. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.